Welcome to the XY Advisor podcast. To join a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice, head to xyadvisor.com. G'day, how's it going? Clayton here from XY Advisor speaking with Taborjan down in Melbourne. Mate, how's it going? Uh, really good. I've got a beautiful day here, just waiting for winter to kick in. But uh, it was a great start to my morning, taking my uh, both my sons to school and kinder, going for a nice walk, which is uh, a bit different to what we've been doing under lockdown and all that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, great awesome. start to my morning. Oh, mate, w- winner. I don't have kids yet. I'm six weeks away. Going on a baby moon, actually, this weekend. Uh, that's a new thing. I, I got introduced to that. And then, you know, my wife here, she was like, that's a great idea. So anyway, so we're off to do, do that. Do it. We're off to do that. Um, but I don't have kids myself, but I hear it's amazing to get them back to school. So congrats on that. Um, we had a really interesting conversation, I guess it was a couple of months ago. And even though you introduced, well, you didn't quite int- fully introduce some concepts to me. I have heard about them in the past and I have considered them in the past, but the way that you spoke about it, made me want to come back and ask a couple of extra questions. And you're not the only one that holds these views, um, but I just think the way that you articulate it and you were kind enough to give your time again to share with other advisors. So thanks so much for coming on again. Happy, happy to do it. Awesome. Um, so I, in preparation for this podcast, actually asked the question on XY, which was how many clients have you had where an SOA, an upfront piece of formal advice for those international planners listening, how many of you had where you didn't produce the huge recommendations in the first 12 months? Now, I can put my hand up and say, I never had one. Now, 75% of advisors answered exactly the same way. So 75% of all advisors are like me, where we never had ever a client, uh, or at least you know less than a handful. There was a small amount um, that had had kind of less than 10 over the course of their career. Uh, and then at 50-50, I think it was like 2%. So 2% are in a situation where they feel it's their responsibility to work with a client for a long time before any recommendation is provided. Now, some advisors look at that and go, wow, that's not compliant. Um, and at certain stages in my career, I would have agreed with them. Uh, these days, and from the conversations I've had with you, and going back and listening to Jim Stackpole talk about this as well, it, to my mind now, it's more compliant. Because if I think back to my previous process, it was coming client, I'm going to fact find you, I might spend one meeting with you figuring out what you want, and then what your details are. Maybe I was, over the course of my career, I matured into that, right? It almost seems laughable. Um, and then probably within a month of meeting them for the first time, there it was the big SOA, the big recommendations, your life with me begins, right? Mm. And, and uh, like I had some good results and, and, and from a results oriented advisor, um, I, I'm like really happy with what I achieved. However, I know for a fact that my journey, the journey that I would take clients on was in hindsight, abominable. And when you talk about it, I think you're very articulate and maybe there's a a conversation. I mean, there's so many conversations here. Like, why do we do it? 
like the, the way, why does 75% of the, of, of the advice population do it like that? Where does advice come from? Where's this messaging coming from? Because if you think about it from ASIC's point of view, they want compliant advice. They want less churn on product. They want, they want to know that you're doing the best interest to be quiet. All this stuff, if you think about it from a realistic point of view, the better you know your client, the, the better you understand what your client wants out of life and what they want out of their investments, the more compliant it's going to be. And yet there's this uh, feeling of, whoa, you'd never want to get stuck without an SOA in hand, right? Because that's your, that's your proof that you were compliant. So you've got these two competing agendas where I can understand the argument for both, but it, it's either one or the other. So where do we start? Where do you want to start or how we got here or where do you want to start on this? Yeah. And I think, and I think your question to the, the poll, which was um, providing an SOA in 12 months, that's probably even, um, it's, a, it's an awesome question. But if you did it again, you might even say, maybe it's more about in your first month or three months or before a client becoming a client. How do you define a client? And did you give them an SOA before they became a client? That would probably make that assessment of how different advisors are providing advice a bit more clarity around that but question i want to throw to you clay was you know how or why why do we give advice why do we give financial advice as an industry from your observations talking to all the advisors Mm. why do we do it if i was to summarize it would be to see uh as many people as possible but you're limited obviously to those that are your, your clients but to have as many clients as possible to add enough uh, value to these people's lives so that when they arrive at the arrival point that they either know about or don't know about, but let's assume that there is a fix for each individual. It might be retirement. It might be after retirement. It might be before retirement variable, but it's each, each have a fixed so that we help the client get to that location, happier, healthier, better, well off both from a psychological and emotional point of view and, and from a monetary point of view. So to help them realize and achieve as many experiential and financial goals as possible. I think that's really well, really well articulated. Um, I'm a pretty simple guy. So I'm going to break it down into two reasons why I think we give <laughs> advice. And it's not just the people on this podcast um, who are, you know, new generation thinking about the way forward. Um, thinking about our industry very broadly, which includes so many people that, you know, maybe you wouldn't even call financial planners, I think, in our industry. So I think the two key reasons, again, really, really simplistically, I'm pretty simple. So um, one, to help people, that's that's usually a good reason. And secondly, to make money for ourselves. Correct. Um, I know the way that I've thought about it is I want to get paid well to help people. It's the, right. it's the perfect outcome. So if we look back to, I think if we look back through a bit of history as well, and, and how we've come to this place and why, why it's a challenge. You know, how, how do we make money as advisors in this industry? How have, we, how have we done it historically? We've got, you know, if you break it down to specific types of advice, you know, risk advisors, how do they, get, how do they make money? They get commissions traditionally. Um, to get the commissions, what do they have to do? Their clients have to buy or go into or take out an insurance policy. And for them to do that and to get paid a commission, what do you need to do? An SOA. Second type, stockbrokers. 
How do they get paid? Traditionally, brokerage. How do they get brokerage? Buying and selling stock. Now, traditionally not, but nowadays they would need to give some sort of advice document, you would think, right? Yep. So what are they selling? An SOA. What's the risk advisor selling? An SOA. And what are they selling? I'm using that term, you know, we're all selling, we're all, you know, trying to get our clients to do something, but they're trying to get clients to commit to an SOA. Mortgage brokers. How do they get paid? Commissions. And, and so when I say how do they get paid, they don't get paid unless they get commissions. How do they get commissions? Their clients, their customers take a loan. How do they get a loan? They've got some document. Um, I'm not a mortgage broker, but they'll have a document they have to produce which explains all that stuff and they've got to get convince the client that that is what they need. Investment managers, super advisors, as the industry's progressed, you know, going back, you know, probably 20 years ago, moved into holistic planning, financial planning advice. Um, but traditionally, um, how did we get paid? A percentage of assets. How do we get that paid? We make sure people give us fun, funds under management. How do we get clients to get funds under management? We give them SOA. an SOA. So we've been conditioned by, so we want to help people, but, you know, we can't work for free. You know, I mean, we do, I'm sure we'll do plenty of pro bono work. We help people, but we do this to get paid to help people. So we want to help people and we do that. But the get paid bit to get that, it seems like historically we have had to do an SOA. That was the way that our industry has come. Now, over that time, there have been, you know, plenty of people that have challenged that and done things a bit differently, which is what we're trying to talk about. But how do we help people or more importantly, also get paid to help people is the only way by doing an SOA. You know, we've got the product solutions that people have. And I want to be careful here because there's, there's lots of different types of advice out there Yes, and they all have their place and yes. there's not that one type of advice is better than the other. And Correct. all those um, roles that I spoke about, risk advice, stockbrokers, mortgage brokers, investment, it's all well, we, valuable. More than valuable. It's, it's uh, necessary. Really <laughs> it's necessary. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You need all that. Yeah. And those models, you know, exist because they're valuable and because they're needed. Um, I think what we're talking more about is, and, and probably the conversation that we've been having on XY and on the virtual um, tour with, you know, Carl Richards and Michael Kitsis and Adele yeah. and all the other great people, Roxy and everyone that's been talking about giving advice. We've been talking about deeper stuff than just product, right? Yes. So if I was to articulate what we have defined as what we do for our clients and how do we help our clients it probably comes to a few key points. Firstly, and this, I guess, links a little bit back to our previous conversation, Clay, which is that we identify and help our clients identify their purpose and their values, which will help them live the ideal life or the life that they want to live. So that's one thing that we try and do. The second thing we try and do is, or the second thing we do is we build a picture of their financial life. So we show them this is what your life, your financial life looks like. The third thing we do is we test that picture by running different scenarios so that the clients are aware of the impact of different choices 
and options they're going to have about their future and the impact it's going to have on that future life. Fourthly, we identify the risks that are going to stop them from achieving that ideal life. And fifth, identify the opportunities to provide them with more options and choices in the future as well. That's so good. So I don't think that's too dissimilar from what most advisors do or a lot of holistic planning advisors do. Well, yes, I know what you mean, definitely. But I think in a lot of cases, just probably not articulated and as as broken down as that, as system, as, as productized, as framework driven as that. It's at least from, from my point of view, um, again, and I, I don't hold myself up into the uh, higher echelons of, of all the advisors out there, but um, I was growing into this, but I had so many years ahead of me. I think even if I hadn't sold my business three or four years ago now, I'd probably still be learning and being in the formation of getting to, to something close to what it is that you're talking about. Did you have any acceleration steps through that? Ha, ha, like, because, and, and last time, the last podcast was very much along the lines, you'd been lucky enough to work with a bunch of really good advisors who sort of almost brought you up into this sort of stuff. But uh, how would someone say where I was accelerate into a position of giving that type of advice? I mean, I think it, comes back to mindset and again you know you, you listen to people like Carl Richard and things like that and you know really experienced guy that's really well known um not advising anymore but you know even he said the way that he used to give advice early on was nothing like what it was later on and so it's I think it's just time um and allowing yourself to be similar to what I said last time allowing yourself to be exposed to good people, um, different people, different ideas, and even ideas that, and then people that you don't agree with, because you, you need to, you want to figure out what you believe works for yourself and what doesn't work as well. Um, what figuring out what, what you don't want to be doing is equally as important because it allows you to get more focus and push harder into understanding what is important. Probably, you know, in the last five years, um, I was, you know, with Shadforth with some really great people for nearly 14 years. Um, but at the back end of that, when I wanted to explore, you know, this sort of more challenging the traditional way of giving advice and since starting two and a half years ago doing that, and that process has forced me to do that. So anyone that's, you know, running their own practice or thinking about or trying to figure out the best way to give advice. It's about learning. It's about getting on these podcasts. It's about um, getting on the virtual tour, hearing from a lot, lot of people and it's getting easier and easier. I mean, it's much easier today than it was five years ago when I first started trying to do it. There's lots of business coaches out there that have got so much value, valuable insight as well. Um, I, you know, the Michael Kitz's podcast, I remember I probably listened to 150 of those. Um, yeah. It's and- by far the biggest and best uh, financial planning podcast in the world. And just amazing amount of insight that you get from, you know, all the different uh, advisors. It's US centric, but the ideas and the concepts and the thought process that come out of that lead you to, again, figuring out what you like and what you don't like and what might might not work. So that that's kind of how the how getting the mind to that place, I suppose. Cool, cool. Um, so with this four or five step process that you've got. Does, does, do you have a set date? Do you have a milestone? 
uh, dependent upon a monthly progress or do you, or is it based on each individual client? Like how, how do you get people from one side of your process to the other? Yeah. So this is confession time. That, that sounded like a really good process. <laughs> um, but, but we don't have, it's, it's not as process driven as I would like. It's much better than what I thought it would be. And it's funny there, um, you know, we, we hired a really good advisor recently, Simone who joined us six months ago. And um, she said, you know, whenever, um, whenever we were talking about before she started, she said, you keep saying that, um, you know, there's so much that you're not doing and there's so much you can improve. But, um, but she was like, but you're actually doing a lot of stuff that, you know, others aren't doing. Yeah. But I think when you're in that mindset of always challenging what you're doing and trying to improve, you always feel like there's a lot to do, right? Yeah. Even if it's already decent. So, um, you know, this process sounds great, but we're not implementing it in a really structured way. What's most important is the, again, the mindset and the approach and what we're trying to do. Um, you know, we're gradually building the systems and processes around it, but mm. we've tried to remove the traditional impediments to providing that value. So if you think about those things that we need to do, that can be done in, you know, that might be done in one meeting or it could take 12 months. Actually, it is a continuous process. It's something that never stops. And we very deliberately make a point of making that clear to clients as well, that this is something that is going to change. So these steps that we've gone through, we're going to continually do that. In fact, we're going to be doing them virtually every year. That is what we do. Wow. And that's what and, and how, you know, when you've got an established relationship, it's far easier to go through the process because you just, you know, you know, most of the stuff yep. you're talking about it with them regularly. So how does that process work? It depends on the client. It's totally client driven, but I think to, to bring it back to what, why we're chatting today, I think the most important thing is there's no SOA in that process. So the question then becomes, and this is probably something around, compliance, uh, ASIC, uh, the associations, licensees, and, and what's deemed to be meeting all the requirements of giving advice. I mean, I could be, I'm happy to be corrected, but I think what I described there is probably acting in the best interest of clients to help them make the most important decisions for their outcomes, right? Yeah. But it doesn't follow the traditional financial planning process the way that it's articulated, but it, but it does when, if you, if you open yourself up to it and then you can still implement it because you still will need to provide. So where that, where that process leads you to is identifying opportunities. What are those opportunities? Well, you need to invest some money or you know, you can save some tax here or you can, so, um, or identifying risks. Well, what happens if you pass away? Well, you, you know, your wife's not going to be well and you need to get some insurance or whatever. So the, the traditional things that we used to earn money from, which was the products and therefore needing to give SOAs, they're still going to be required, but we're not leading with that. They're a conclusion or an outcome of the process, which is totally client-focused. Well, I mean that, so that sentence was entirely traditional financial planning. What it, and it just dawned on me then is you're taking your time to do a really thorough fact find. So it's almost yeah. like, it's and, and on that, so we, so we've done things a little bit differently again, <laughs> at the risk of it being um, a bit non-traditional, but 
we don't use a traditional fact find questionnaire that we send to the client to fill in. So my reading of the regs is that, and I'm not a lawyer or anything like that, but I try and find the common sense and try and understand the laws to make sure that we're doing everything according to laws, obviously. Um, But our role is to know the client. Yes. And the way that um, as an industry we have shown and evidenced that we know the client is through this thing called a fact find. Yeah. But nowhere in the legal, what do you call it, words in all the different regulations does it say fact find anywhere. It says know your client. It says know your product. It says best in, you know, best, all that sort of stuff. But so we, and, and the other thing that, and the reason I only thought about this, not because it was any sort of smart thinking on our part, but it was just like, so hang on, we do a fact find. As soon as the client signs it and sends it back to us, it's wrong. The next day it's wrong. What you mean from a, a monetary position? Correct. Yeah, yeah. So, well, so hang on, what are we doing here? So <laughs> we, we sort of decided to, to, to do that, but then beside that, initially we started using this process of let's build a really deep knowledge of the client rather than a bit of paper that says some stuff on it and tick the box, know your client. Because yeah. if I actually question myself and say, do I really know the client? you know what? I don't think I do. You probably know enough to give them an SOA. Give an SOA and do a compliant. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, but am I really knowing the client to really give them advice that's going to help them achieve everything that's important to them? Which is what we said was the reason why everyone becomes an advisor in the first place. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's kind of how we go about it. We go through this process and, um, when an SOA is needed, when we need to make a formal recommendation, we will do an SOA, but we will do that when it's the best time for the client. We won't do it so that we can get paid as early as possible because we're spending time doing it. So this leads me to the next thing, which is a bit, I think I know what the next question you're going to ask. Go ahead, ask it. I could see you were going to so ask something. So where, where's the monetary exchange event occur? Yep. So we challenge that idea as well. So we charge clients for this thick document called an SOA and they pay us a fee and we feel like we've done a lot of work, they're getting this thing and then we're going to implement some stuff and they'll get some stuff and therefore we can justify charging them and we can, I don't know, tell ourselves or tell them that they're getting value. Yes. I mean, there might be a couple, but very, very, you know, 99% of clients never come in and say, can I pay you some money so you can give me an SOA? (laughs) Right. They come to us with problems and they need some help fixing those problems. So we sort of said, well, what if we took away that impediment and said, so Mr. Client, Mr. and Mrs. Client, Mrs. Client, what are your problems? And can we find a way to help you? If we can, we'd love to help you. If we can't, then that's okay. Maybe someone else can. So if we can help you, would you be willing to pay us some money to help you with those problems or help you achieve the things that are most important to you? And what we found was that most people were saying, yeah, of course, well, that's why I'm here. <laughs> Can I pay you some money to do Can, that? Yes, I have the problems. You have the solutions. Yeah. I have the money. Here's the money. Please solve the problems. Mm-hmm. So, so you have the conversation. They come in. You have a meeting. 
uh, at that, do, do, do they either become a client or not a client in that initial meeting? If they're ready to. Now, we don't push the whole, um, I know that, so, you know, there's, there's the formula around, you know, you have a discovery meeting, you try and get them across. You might have a call before or a conversation before, um, you might, and I'm sort of talking traditional again. And yeah. what you, and what you want to do is get them through this financial planning process as efficiently as possible. Yes. I've heard that talked about in the industry. I've heard that talked about on podcasts and, oh, we've got a really good efficient process. We get through in three meetings or how do you yeah. get that client meeting time down? And even working in large organizations, you see that where, oh, how do we make this advice process more efficient? We're spending too much time with the client. And when, when, as when I say that, I'm just thinking, hang on a sec, what? what? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Yes. And again, it's because the way with the in, as an industry we've said, it's not how do I spend less time with the client, it's how do I start getting paid as quickly as possible so that I'm not finding that I've wasted all this time with someone that hasn't paid us any money. Correct. Which is from a commercial perspective, that is a very legitimate thing. You know, you've got to, yeah. you know, so what the way that we do it is we would prefer to sort of, so clients will generally come with a problem. We, as, as we talked about last time, Clay, we would take them up the curve and say, yes, you've got problems, but let's take it a bit higher. Let's talk about your values, your purpose, blah, 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 blah. And they go, yeah, actually, that's what I really mean when I say come with this problem. I just didn't know how to talk about it. So we get the clients to that point. Yep. And then we say, well, do you want us to help you achieve everything that's important to you and solve these problems along the way? If you do, then we'd be happy to work with you and um, we'll typically start on a monthly retainer fee with our clients. So they would start on a ongoing fee arrangement. Awesome. No advice given. In That's the traditional financial planning advice. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I understand what you mean. So essentially, I'm, I've, I've come across your business. I say, uh, uh, you know, the, the, I've got this problem. You say, yes, I can un- understand this problem. Potentially, it's, the, it's these other things as well. And you connect me to not only the problem, but get to articulate what it is that I'm searching for in life a bit more articulately. And that may take one meeting that may take two meetings. I think you might've mentioned, um, but take it. There is a time for that to occur and you're happy to do that with the client because, uh, a, it doesn't take an inordinate amount of time. B it ensures that because as, as a human thing, we want to be of value. We want to make sure that what we're selling actually solves the problem that someone is experiencing. Yep. I, 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 you can do it, but it's not very enjoyable to sell a solution which isn't going to hmm. solve the problem, right? Like, well, it leads to the right clients, right? And the right, the right exactly. relationships. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so, getting, so basically you have a, a big filtering process. You get them to connect with what their problems are in a more articulate fashion. And then you say, well, that's what it is that my office does. This is my team. This is what we've developed a service to solve. And in order to access those solutions and our team to be able to provide it, this is the cost. It's charged on a monthly retainer. And does it have an end date or is it an ongoing thing? Or is it simply like, let's say on the, on the client, do you say we'll do that for X months? Or do you say we'll do that until 
we arrive at this point? So I guess when you're talking at that values purpose level and not everyone connects with that, right? So we have a lot of people that go, oh, that's just wishy-washy. I just want some of them get me a 20% a year return. Totally. Yep. Why can't you do that? You're meant to be good with money, right? Come on, (laughs) woo-woo. Let's get to the money, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Of course there's people like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they're not a good fit and we identify that pretty quickly. But people that, you know, want to... Um, connect do you, st- do you still work with those other people though? Just give them the, the dialed down version? Not really. Not really. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You turn, you, wow. You turn the, the type A personality, however you want to refer to it's it. It's not the personality though. So there's people right. that, um, so getting them to that values purpose conversation is pretty hard, right? It is. It's hard really hard. And it's hard on us. Yes. It's very difficult and draining. And like, yeah. that's why the conversations like this is so important because it is, it's a hurdle to get there, you know? Mm. And sometimes you can see that they will get there. They just need a bit more work. Sure. Um, and there's a difference between people that actually want that but don't realise it yet and people that just go, what is this mumbo-jumbo you're talking about? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not talking about feelings ever and I don't yeah. care about anyone. Just make me money, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Probably so- <laughs> comment on that salmon shirt you're wearing as well, mate. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So that's so we tell clients, you know, we know and we've made a selfish choice as a business that we only want to work with people where we can make a big difference in their lives and have a big impact in their lives. Mm-hmm. And the reason it's selfish is because we get so much out of that personal satisfaction-wise. And we don't want to end up with a whole lot of people that we look after that we're not actually making much of a difference with. Yeah, so I mean, that's if that's awesome. not something you're after, then that's okay, right? Wow. That's, do, 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 you have, uh, do you have sort of a, a panel, if you want to call it that, of other advisors that you feel are better with those kind of clients that you refer out to or you just simply say? Not formally, not formally. Okay. Cool, cool. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean, there's plenty of advice out there that I've sent. Yeah, clients to various people. The hard thing is trying to figure out, well, what is it that they actually want? I understand, yeah. It, if, and who, if, therefore, who's going to be a good fit? Yep, yeah. Well, look, totally. Uh, it makes a lot of sense, yep. Hmm. And if it's, you know, it's, if it's a purely, look, I just need a million-dollar life insurance policy, then, you know what, there's probably someone that can do that. 100%. Um, Absolutely. But if it's, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes you just find people like, you know what, I don't want to pay any money. I just want you to... You know, you get those people as well that yeah, don't want course. to engage and they yeah. want a lot, but they're not willing to give, even if it's just give their time and energy to the process. So yeah. where were we? We were um, talking about getting them at to that point. And yeah. then, yes, yeah, so we would yeah. not have an end date in terms of that. So part of that conversation is always that, so we only want to work with people where we can have a big impact. And we know that we can have the biggest impact with people when we're talking about these values and these goals mm-hmm. and helping you achieve the things that are most important to you, whatever those things are. Mm. And we know that that takes time for you to achieve those things that are most important to you. And the right clients are agreeing with all this. So we kind of say, look, we will work with you for as long as you're getting value out of this relationship. And if at any point in time you're not getting value from this relationship, then you shouldn't be paying us money. That's kind of logical. Yes. But you've got permission to 
stop the relationship or question the relationship and we might also ask you you know are you sure you want to continue with us you may not be getting value from this anymore that's interesting points in time so that so they're on this monthly retainer that's not locked in yep and they can cancel at any time yep. i'm sure that's been communicated to them as well yep. yep uh and then how frequently are you catching up with or in covid times how how often are you zooming with them it depends what they need. So wow. early in the process, so early in the process, and this is a big. Now, the other disclaimer here is I don't know if this is the right model. Right, this is just something that we're trying and doing, doing sure. things differently. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if this is the right model. Yeah. Um. So far, it's working well, but we would be doing so much more work early on in the piece than what we charge for. Totally. Having said that, I would hazard a guess that most advisors or most professionals spend a lot more time early in an ongoing relationship than what they're getting paid for. And oh, yeah. so is that actually such an extreme thing? I don't know. No, no. I mean, everyone knows, yeah, the costs are front loaded for sure. Yeah. So we've almost kind of said, well, let's get rid of that. What concern about front loading? Because we know that if we, engage at this deep level and can genuinely show and add value, then they will stay as clients. We've engaged them at the beginning. We said, so there's no lock-ins. We will do whatever it is you need to do. And these are the key areas that you need help in. And so they're the things that we're going to achieve. But the interesting thing is that it always comes back to, but the reason you're paying us is not because of the tax we're going to save you and the super or the investments or cash flow or debt or whatever. They're things that we're going to do. And, you know, don't get me wrong. Therefore, you've got to be really good at delivering on those. Um, but it's almost like that's just a given. That's someone once told me that, you know, that's the hygiene. Yes. You know, the hygiene is you just do that. You know how to invest money. You know, if you're recommending it, you should know what you're doing. Otherwise, you shouldn't be doing it. Correct. But where you really add value and where you make a massive difference is when you get deep with clients and understand what's important to them and take them on the journey as well. Again, I don't think that's too dissimilar to what a lot of advisors do, but because we say we don't need to start getting paid, we don't have to wait for the client to be in a product to start getting paid. We don't really, we're not in a rush. We're not in a rush to push them down, you know, an SOA and a product within three meetings or four meetings or whatever. Yeah. It's, it, it was liberating, you know, after doing it for three, six months, it was, it was like a light bulb went off and I've gone, it's, it's just, we, we can just recommend, and the clients didn't care. Yeah. They were saying, yeah, they, you are actually recommend, yeah. they're saying you are telling me what I need to do right now because that's the most important thing for me now. I could imagine from a client's point of view, walking into a, an office of a financial planner and them saying, hey, you know, no locking contracts. We're just going to talk to you about your goals, aspirations and blah, 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 blah. And then feeling Oh, this is, this is financial advice. I, I understand now. Right. So you're going to make sure because, because the end result is so important. It's got, it's got a weight to it, right? A successful financial planning client, right? That, that, what that looks like is so important that uh, it makes sense. You're going to spend a bit of time with me walking me through a process so that I understand where I want to end up and then we'll take the steps on how to get there. 
that's not rocket science. That, uh, like the fact that that is your financial planning process as you've articulated it to me makes a lot of sense. It's kind of, it makes sense when you let your mind go there, but as an industry, our mind is automatically and naturally down the traditional compliance SI path. And so that's, um, it makes sense when you kind of remove those other factors, which are necessary, but are they necessary, you know, the way that we traditionally do it? And and the other interesting thing is that if they're, if they're paying us, so we wouldn't do, you know, a whole lot, we wouldn't do documents and um, we'll be having conversations with clients before, um, before we do any work, if you like, and they would be paying us. So they will engage us on an ongoing basis, Yes, which again, isn't too dissimilar to the way the traditional approach is because you're having lots of conversation with a client, but you're trying to convince them they need an SOA. Yeah. We're just convincing them that maybe you should start paying us on a monthly basis so that we can help you through this process. Because we're the people that do this. We're, there's yep. not many people that do this. We're financial planners. This is what we're skilled at doing. We help you figure out what you want in life. And there's a process to that. It takes a little bit of time. You can, you can opt out whenever you like, mate. Yeah, absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. Yep. Again, as someone who's never done it and, um, and I wish, I wish I'd known about it earlier on. It's kind of weird because I came from tax accounting, tax accounting into SMSF land. So it was really technical. And then sort of after I'd been sort of dealing with people one-to-one and, uh, and, and then I found out afterwards what, uh, what insurance commission was. I was sort of like four years into a personal finance career before I ever had anything to do with a commission. Um, and then I went on to, uh, Go, I went to AMP Horizons. I started a Hill Ross company, and there was a lot of that product-based um, revenue in there. And so I kind of went, okay, cool. Like this is how financial planning is done, right? So I'd come from a professional services view, mm. and then I was I, I kind of was skewed then into the opposite, right? It's like, oh no, 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 you get paid via a product rather than charging a fee. And then I, I mean, I. I drank the Kool-Aid. Like I absolutely, I was like, yep, cool. This is how it's done. And then, and then after probably like three, two or three years, I was like, wait, really? Does it have to be, does it have to be? And then because no one at least was telling me that, uh, that this could be done. And now that you've mentioned it, uh, like, and, and have such a great articulation of this, mate. Um, because Another person who has a really good articulation of it is Jim Stackpole, but then again, he's not an advisor. So he talks about it really well academically. And I, I, I felt like I, I felt like I absorbed it when he said it, but, but when you say it, I'm like, look, you're, you're doing it and it makes so much more sense. What do you say to the, the people out there that say, okay, love the process, love what you're doing why don't you just stick it in an SOA though? Because then there's no compliance problems whatsoever. Right. So that's a really good question. And I think, again, if you go back to a bit of history and that sort of thing, I think what 
I've done there is just tried to think about what is the purpose of the SOA? Actually, as I've asked the question, I'm, I'm saying you, you've had a meeting about what they want out of life and then there's an authority to proceed at the end. Yeah. <laughs> like, do, do I have the authority to proceed for you to get what you want out of life? The whole concept is ludicrous. It is so, yeah. So importantly in that process, <laughs> I guess we implement a few things. So we talk about what's important, what are your values and what are your, what are your purpose? We do create documentation that's, you know, but we don't put it in the SOA. Actually, we will put it in some of the SOA depending on what's needed. But I could understand. But you'd be taking a lot of file notes though, purely so you can achieve the outcome that you want. Yeah, but one of the things we create is what we call, what we call the wealth management plan, which is not the statement of advice. In that wealth management plan, we've got a couple of couple of pages in there, which all the, all it does is document what the client has told us is the things that are most important to them, yes, and what their purpose and values are. And so we document that, so we've got something back to come back to, yes. and we tell clients we are going to come back to this on a somewhat regular basis whenever we need to or whenever you need to, just to make sure that it remains valid and that all the things that you are doing in your life are still helping you achieve these things there should be nothing you're doing that doesn't makes a lot of sense so it's the it's the essential it's the what carl richards was talking about it's the one page financial plan which has no recommendations and no mention of product yep but this is so this is just sort of some dot points the other thing we do you know how i spoke about build a picture of your financial life in those five points i mentioned so the way we do that this goes back to something that michael kitzes was talking about in on the virtual tour which is that we don't build a, you know, go on to, we use you know, X-Plan like everyone else, um, but, the, you know, whatever modeling tool you're using, we don't go and build a fancy model with all the strategies in there and then stick the charts into the this SOA document, which is not advice. It's a calculation, right? So we don't put that in. We do it live with the client. Awesome. So we get on Nextools Plus, we build their financial life, and we say this is what things look like. These are the assumptions we're using. What do you think about those assumptions? This is what we think about the assumptions. Mm. Um, would it, would you do anything differently? And then you start moving into the testing the impact of different scenarios in your life. So, oh, well, let's talk about the what ifs. What if you earned a bit more? What if you spent a bit less? What if you sent your kids to private schooling? What if you upgraded your house? What if you retired earlier? What if you never retired? What, so, and the, the list is endless, right? Yeah. But that process is the planning and we're doing it with them interactively so clients come out of that, as Carl Richards said. So it's kind of, I've listened to both of them a lot. And I think uh, Michael Kitts is very technical, very much about projections and all that sort of stuff. I've got a maths background, science background. So I love that bit. But interestingly, the way we do it, we don't build a model and say, here's your model. We use the model with the client so that we're using projections and we say yep this is a guess about the future but without the guess we've got no idea which way you're going and the clients come out of it not knowing exactly what they're where they're going but they come out of it with a feeling of how they're going and with a feeling about the impact of different decisions and choices they might make in their life at various points in time Mm. and that's where they get the value from the modeling and the future planning it's never about this is where you are today. This is where you're going to be in 30 years. So the feeling after that meeting is what you're gauging that meeting success on. That's it, mate. I mean, 
people don't judge us based on uh, what we tell them. They're based on how we make them feel, right? Yes. So then is this almost the capstone of working through a, a, a process with them or before you get to the recommendations, is this sort of like the last thing that happens? It's one of the things we do, but we do this every year with clients. So right. and this is something I learned, you know, at Shadforth, we, um, that's where I learned about it. We call it interactive client, uh, interactive cash flow modeling, where you sit with the client, you build, you know, you put in all the assumptions, depending on how, what are, what we're doing, skilled you were as an advisor at doing it. Some advisors would build the model beforehand and present it to the client. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there were lots of us who, who experience the power of doing it with the client. Yeah. And the difference that has, I mean, you can, you can present something to a client and say, here, here, here you go, here it is. Firstly, it's still better than what a lot of, a lot of the stuff out there. And a picture tells a thousand words and a picture of their personalized life, you know, tells a million words. But doing it with them and building that picture with them where they have input into it, mm. that's, you know, kind of where it, I found. And this is X-Plan Tools Plus, did you say? X-Tools Plus. Now, I've heard lots of people say, oh, it's clunky, it doesn't look very good, this and that. You know what? Clients don't care. Um, it's about the conversations you're having. Yeah. That's what it's about. And it's about what you're showing them at the end of the day. There are so many tools out there. You know, there's pros and cons to all of them. Uh, and we have used different ones over the over the years. Uh, we started using X Tools Plus. I want to say fifteen years ago. Whoa! I think. Yeah. Right. And and you're a fan. Well, it does. It's it's a it's a it's a big calculator. It does what it does, right? It does what it says it's going to do. <laughs> Calculate stuff, you know. <laughs> it's a big so, calculator. You could do the same thing on an Excel spreadsheet, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so, I'm thinking so about. So it's not. I used. To, I actually. I um built my own calculator. It was a pretty good calculator. I know a few uh, heaps of advice. I've just given it out to the world, right? And heaps of advisors have versions of it. There's no modeling involved, though. It's more of a here's your revenue after tax. Here's the five buckets it's broken up into. Where do you spend your money? interesting that's how you spend your money well look at the effect well, what if we took a little bit down here a little bit up there um, but it was all in, in immediacy situation there was no uh and but the great conversations great conversations and then at 100%. the end at the end of that um maybe not so much at the end of that meeting but at the end of the uh, i guess my recommendations would go into uh what was called a uh uh, AMP gave me some templated document. I can't remember an advice letter from memory. I, you know, some pretend thing that they invented, but it, because there was no product recommendations, um, you know, there was no superannuation. There's no investment. There was no insurance. There's nothing like that that ever had a commission attached to it. Um, then I, I was only required to do an advice letter, uh, and that was literally just the licensee's recommendations. Because realistically, there's no. Guide, well, there's very little guidelines in uh, banking product planning, right? So uh, mm. um, it's an interesting thing. Um, and, and before I actually jump onto this, I could imagine that the, advi- that the clients that go through your process are excited for the advice. If, if they go through this whole uh, learning process and this idea of figuring out what they want out of life and this uh, going through the cash flow and then there's this elongated time before advice is ever given... I can imagine by the time the advice turns up, they're like, awesome. Now we get to actually start working towards and implementing the stuff we've been talking about for so long. Yeah, it's almost, it's, it's, 
you're kind of right, but it's <laughs> almost like the advice that we, you know, if we talk about the SOA as the advice, no one's excited about an SOA really because what I'm talking about doing in our world, that is the advice. Yes, 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 yes. It's just no, if, there's no uh, commission attached to it. Yeah, right. So it, this is what people want in my view from advice. And then they go, oh, so, you know, through the process you talk about, so we're building these models and obviously it relies and you get, we've got some assumptions in there. We're assuming you're going to get a 5% return in whatever you invest in, blah, blah, blah. And then, and of course, that's a really important assumption you've got to achieve. And then, you know, you lead to, well, how do we make sure we get that? Well, you know, well, we need to look at what you're doing with your current investments. And, you know, interestingly, clients worry less about the implemented product because they're like, well, if that's what I need to achieve this map and journey that we've gone through, then yeah, let's just do it. Um, you know, the more, um, the more technical your engineers, your teachers, they want to know a bit more detail, which is fine mm. because, you know, we're more than happy to spend as much time as clients need to educate them and go through that. But interestingly, most clients don't really want to be educated. Um, yeah, actually, we were speaking about this briefly before the podcast. Now, I know of a lot of uh, awesome, successful advisors who uh, spend a bit of their time walking their clients through an education process. So, so let's substitute your process. And you've already said this. You're like, this isn't the, the be-all and end-all process. This just works for you guys, how you see advice. And, and, it, and from what I can tell, it works well for you. And then um, I hope that there's other advisors who are listening to this that are open to that concept and give it a, a red hot go. Uh, in a similar vein, but different, uh, I know of other advisors that that have uh, an, an elongated onboard, uh, onboarding process where uh, they spend a little bit of time going through what it is that you're talking about, typically one meeting, and then an extended period of time on the education piece. So what is a managed fund? What is a share? How are we going to do all this? Now, that's it, it's, a, it's a similar concept in that, uh, they're providing value before any advice is given so that the client understands the advice that's come. Um, but it's, it's a different, obviously a different outcome. And that's fine because every, every, every advisor is different. Every, you know, you're never going to get the same piece of advice from two people. Um, but what do you see in terms of the value in educating someone along your process about, what a managed fund is. I spent a bit of time doing it. This was something that I would spend maybe half an hour on. Again, certainly wasn't the, the top of the echelon in terms of uh, processes. Um, but I would spend a little bit. Okay, so this is a managed fund and this is an ETF. And this managed fund typically has an investment committee. And this investment committee will have many different investment philosophies and they'll make that decision in very different ways depending on the company. There's typically a higher management expense ratio and what's a management right <laughs> over here's an etf and what's that why is it cheaper oh well instead of a investment committee it's an algorithm right so like i i spent a bit of time on education again not, not a super long time but there are other advisors that see a key part of their value in rather than giving the advice up front well first i want to make sure that you're educated eleanor dartnell is an example of someone i heard many years ago would get someone to fill out 
a test that they understood what, uh, what all these different individual things were. And she ended up getting an AFA advisor of the year. I think this is back in 2015, something like that. XY advisor, really early days. She was one of our, our first uh, speakers. And that concept blew our mind. Like collectively, we were like, oh my God, someone's doing something before an SLA, right? But, it's, it, but it was this education piece. Now, because, um, because your style of advice is purpose in life and how do we achieve that? And then figuring out what it is that you want and then, okay, this is it. So now what we're going to do is provide some recommendations to get there. Do you see much value in that? Do you spend any time doing that? What's your view? The risk of offending anyone through this conversation, but you know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's going to happen. Well, can't keep everyone happy. Um, so I think education generally is for me, it's really, really important. Or you as an individual. And as an individual, so yes. education as a idea and a concept. Well, what uni degree did you do? Of, sorry? What uni degree? You said you got a background in math. What uni degree? Oh, I did a um, commerce science degree. I did um, honours in financial econometrics and Jesus. Um, then did some other stuff after that. But, you know, so, but, but I like learning. I think education's good, but that's just a personal view, right? That's sure. something that I like. Um, a master's in, in econometrics. I, I, I've never even heard the word before. <laughs> <laughs> it's like st- statistical modeling. For, but, you know, that's, that's a long time ago. When it comes to clients, I think for some clients, ed- educating them about stuff is really important and that is what they want. But when it comes to actually... If, if your goal is to help clients achieve everything that's important to them, then I would question the value in how much they need to know about a managed fund and an ETF. Sorry, mate, I nearly fell asleep when you started talking about that. But, I mean, can you imagine, like, we love talking about it and yes. we could talk about it for days, but that's about us. It's not about them. Yes. And so I think we can lose sight of, you know, who we're serving and what we're trying to achieve. And... I like thinking about the, the iceberg approach and, uh, you know, you, you start at the top of the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg, um, and there's a certain amount of information you provide and you drip feed it along the way. And I think what's really good uh, practice that we do is we ask clients, do you want to know more? Do you mm. want to know more? Here's a bit more. Do you want to know more? Here's a bit more. Do you want to know more? Here's yeah, a bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. And then we, let, we, we educate the, so we should be To the level that they want to the level they want and the level that they're comfortable so that, so that they get the comfort knowing that, okay, I know enough about that too. Um, that makes so much sense. If know. advice is great questions, that's such a great question. Here's something. Do you want to know more? That's like, that is, I love yeah. it when I hear simple questions that, that bring so much clarity. Yeah. Cause before we did that, you just kind of, you're going, so this is our investment philosophy and we do this and you you get about five minutes in and then you're thinking, oh, let me try and look at that. Do they, are they still listening? Are they, okay, I'll go a bit more. I'm waiting for nods. What am I, I'll just keep going. And it's quite yeah. this awkward thing where you're yes. not sure how long to go for. Yeah, 100%. And then sometimes you go back and the client hasn't understand a word of what you said for the last half an hour. But I know. And that's you needed so to. disappointing. It's, uh, I, I, that is the most disappointing thing of advice is that you, feel, you put all this time, effort, I mean, it's your entire career into delivering the best piece of advice that you could possibly deliver and then for whatever like you've just given you've overwhelmed the client and then they're 
that they just they trust you but they don't necessarily understand what just happened they assume that they're in a better position and the thing that i really like about the way that you do advice mate is i feel like your clients once that soa authority to proceed has been signed they're going to have a much clearer idea of what it is that they've just paid for and received than, than certainly the way that I did advice and probably a lot of other advisors out there, which is so awesome, I think, for you to come on and share that. Now, I could probably spend hours talking to you about this sort of stuff, but our respect for your time, I, I realize we've gone over. Um, the next oh, time, the next time, we'll, we'll, we'll do this again. And I wouldn't actually mind tackling the whole concept of why uh, considering investments and insurance, sorry, not investments, insurance, investments and superannuation no longer have commissions attached to them. What that means for the documentation, I think that's a really interesting place to go as well. So, uh, Ooh, tough one. Good question. Yeah, it's because it's currently we treat it as if it's still a commission paying product. Because nothing's changed, right? We with all this, all this regulation was came on top to sit because uh, it was a commission-paying product. Then it fundamentally changed. There's no longer a commission-paying product, and yet none of the rules and regulations have changed. It's an interesting concept. I haven't actually mm. had this this convo with anyone, so I think you're the man to help me tackle it. But, mate, thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate that. That was a. I mean, I keep learning so much when we speak to you. Um, occasionally, I want to get back into advice and it's conversations like this that make me go, wow, I wish I had these conversations before I ever started. I would have been a much better planner. So thank you so much for coming on, mate. No, thanks, man. And thanks for everything you do. I think it's uh, brilliant, you and the XY team, uh, sharing the love with everyone. And, um, it, you know, there's no secrets. There's no IP. I think the more we can help other advisors, the more we can help um, you know, people and clients get, get really good outcomes. So good work on everything you're doing, mate. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. Thank you.